0: In the book of Judges, uh, there is this, uh, this cycle that we see. Um, and, and you may recall the book of Judges is a book that tells the history of Israel after they have uh, come into the promised land and they have occupied it and, and they have um, arrived, it has seemed. And yet, in the book of Judges, we see this repetitive cycle where the people live in peace and, and all is well, and then they become uh, a bit complacent. Uh, they begin to think either that they don't really need God or maybe they don't have to follow all the ways of God and they know better and so they begin to go down their own paths or, or head down their own agendas. And before long, if they aren't careful, they they find themselves actually far away from God. They find themselves following after other things and other people rather than following after God. They find themselves participating in the brokenness of the world rather than participating in God's desire to heal and to make whole. And before long, as they head down that path, they begin to suffer the consequences of living in ways that are against the ways that God has created us. They find themselves either oppressed by somebody from the outside, or they find themselves just in utter chaos among themselves. And it doesn't happen all at once, it happens gradually. And, and they find themselves, eventually uh, their eyes begin to open and they begin to realize that all around them is this mess and this chaos and they're not even sure how to get back. And so they begin to cry out for God to come again. They cry out for God to deliver them, for God to show up in powerful ways. And, and lo and behold, in, in Judges we see That either God appoints leaders or in some fashion God delivers the people once again. They are restored and revived and renewed and they enjoy peace again. Only to begin the cycle again. Now unfortunately the book of Judges is not just about the people of Israel. But it is about those of us who follow God even today. We have these cycles that we go through where it seems that all is well, we are very close to God, we experience a peace, and then we become complacent, we begin to follow our own ways, and before long we drift and we find ourselves far away from God. It starts out so simple though, yes? Um, we just find ourselves uh, deciding that we can do things on our own, that we can just go through the, the motions, and yet we, we find ourselves eventually, if we don't pay attention, in the midst of chaos. We think that we have arrived and, and that we have all the answers and maybe we don't need God. We, we soon begin to find uh, that God it may be alongside us, but we are out ahead of God rather than following Him. And before we know it, we're off on a trail following our own agendas. Following folks we shouldn't be following who are leading us astray and away from God rather than toward God. And hopefully, at some point in time, our eyes begin to open and we look around and we realize all is not as it should be. See, Advent is this season in the church calendar that comes around every year. Advent is this season that seeks to short-circuit this cycle that we tend to go through. It is this season which hopefully causes us, before we get to this point of being in utter chaos, before we get to the point that we are so far away from God we're not sure what to do, Advent calls us to stop. To open our eyes, to be alert, to look around, to expect, to expect that God comes afresh and anew. It is a season that calls us to look for the coming of Jesus anew, a season that calls us to stop where we are and rather than waiting until we get to the point of no return to once again focus on God and begin to turn back to God. I think we find ourselves in a season where our eyes are being opened and we wake up and we realize, indeed, this place is a mess. The world is a mess. The church itself is a mess. We open our eyes and we ask ourselves, how did we get to where we are? This place is a mess. And so, hopefully, as we open our eyes and we begin to see that rather than focusing on the mess, rather than worrying about, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? hopefully it drives us to cry out to God afresh and anew. And so on this first Advent Sunday, our readings in Scripture um, always come from the prophets, or they come uh, from Jesus talking uh, uh, about um, his, His return, talking about the Son of Man coming. And they are passages which cause us to stop, to think about where we are, To ask ourselves, are we in the midst of being complacent? Are we in the midst of such chaos that we've lost hope and we need hope? And so, we hear from Isaiah and from Mark today. And first, I'm going to read a passage from Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. This is a passage that Isaiah writes to Israel when they are in exile. You know, the duty of the prophets... Um, It's never a fun duty. Here's Here's the responsibility of a prophet. When all is going well, the prophet is supposed to tell the people, be careful about becoming complacent. The prophet is always warning and urging people to more fully be transformed and changed. And then in the midst of chaos, when everything goes south because the people didn't heed the warnings of the prophet, the prophet shifts and instead of saying, I told you so, offers a word of hope. And so we hear that today in this passage from, from chapter 64, beginning at verse one. This is the people crying out to God, "If only you would tear open the heavens and come down, mountains would quake before you like fire igniting brushwood or making water boil. If you would make known if you would make your name known to your enemies, the nations would tremble in your presence." When you accomplished wonders beyond our expectation, when you came down, mountains quaked before us. From ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God but you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You look after those who gladly do right. They will praise you for your ways, but you are you angry when we sinned. You hid yourself from us when we did wrong. We have all become like the unclean. All our righteous deeds are like minstrel rags. All of us wither like a leaf. Our sins, like the wind, carry us away. No one calls on your name. No one bothers to hold on to you. For you have hidden yourself from us and have handed us over to our sin. But now, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. All of us are the work of your hand. Don't rage fiercely, Lord. Don't hold our sins against us forever, but gaze upon your people, all of us. And then we hear these words from Mark chapter 13. These are words that Jesus spoke in the temple in the last week of his... um, life here on this earth. He had spent uh, the early days challenging uh, the rituals and the ways uh, of the temple, and then he pronounces in chapter 13, beginning in uh, verse 24, uh, uh, these words. In the days after the suffering of that time, He's talking about in the days after the temple has been destroyed. The sun will become dark and the moon won't give light. The stars will fall from the sky and the planets and other heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then they will see the human one coming in the clouds with great power and splendor. Then he will send the angels and gather together his chosen people from the four corners of the earth, from the end of the earth to the end of heaven. Learn this parable from the fig tree. After its branch becomes tender and it sprouts new leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, you know that he is near at the door. I assure you that this generation won't pass away until all these things happen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will certainly not pass away. But nobody knows when that day or hour will come. Not the angels in heaven nor the Son. only the Father knows. Watch, stay alert. You don't know when the time is coming. It is as if someone took a trip, left the household behind, and put the servants in charge, giving each one a job to do, and told the doorkeeper to stay alert. Therefore, stay alert. You don't know when the head of the household will come, whether it will be evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows in the early morning or at daybreak. Don't let him show up when you weren't expecting and find yourself sleeping. What I say to you, I say to all, stay alert. May everyone with ears to hear, hear the word of God and respond this day. This passage from Isaiah as we think about this again, as I said, the people of God, they were in exile. They were in exile because they had become complacent, because they had failed to be the people that God called them to be. Rather than uh, transforming the world, rather than uh, drawing more people to God, they were pushing people away because they were being exclusive. Rather than, um, rather than fighting against injustice, they were participating in injustice. And rather than following God, they were following other things. In fact, the foundation of their nation had been shaken. They had been carried away in exile. Comforts that they had once known and taken for granted had been taken away. They had followed leaders and things that led them away from God rather than toward God. And the very institutions in which they had continued, despite all of this, to to practice the rituals. The very institutions in which they had practiced the rituals had been taken away. And it's almost as if the people had discovered that they had this form of religion, this form of faith, without the power. John Wesley said his biggest fear of Methodism, his biggest fear of the church was that one day we would wake up and we would find out that we have the form of religion with no power. It's almost as if the people in the day of Isaiah, when the institution was taken away and they could no longer participate in the rituals, discovered that they did not even know the presence of God. They did not have the power of God within them, and they were lost and beside themselves, and they had no idea what to do. They realized they were in need of a revival. They looked back. They look back in the past and they remember how God delivered them. They look back in the past and they remember the faithfulness and the relationship that they had. Not as a way to just long, oh, I wish that we had what we had in the past. But they look back to be reminded that God continuously and always comes to deliver and to draw His people back to Him. They looked at the past so that as they moved into the future, they would long for God to act afresh and anew. And so they cry out, rip open the heavens. Come down from wherever you are and reveal yourself to us. Rip open the heavens. Show yourself to us once again. That we might know your presence and your power. That you might take us like clay and reshape us and form us so that we might truly be the people you intend us to be. Jesus' message in Mark 13 is a similar message to that of Isaiah. It is this warning that, that when we have the ritual without the power, that we might as well no longer have the ritual. He foretells that the temple will be destroyed because uh, the people of God continue to reject the new things that God is doing in and through Jesus. And so the temple, the place of ritual, will be destroyed not as punishment, but as a way to open up people's eyes so they might realize that there is more to following God than rules and rituals. That following God means being attuned to God. It's being in relationship with God. It's about hearing God and responding to God. And Jesus says, no matter how bad it might get, no matter Um, how the consequences of our behaviors have led us down paths that seem to create brokenness and chaos no matter how bad it might get. That God never gives up on us. In fact, he, He has this state, the Son of Man will come. And in fact, if we paid attention to the Gospels, we know that Jesus is talking about Himself. The Son of Man has come to reveal God. To reveal God's ways. To reveal God's goodness. And God always comes again and again and again. And so Jesus calls the people to stay alert to wake up, to look around. Yes, to be aware of the mess that this place is, to be be aware of the mess that the world is in, to be aware of the mess that the church is in, but not to give up hope. To allow the mess to cause us to long for God to come afresh and anew. To long for Jesus uh, to come into our lives In the fullness of his presence and his power. Jesus says there is a power that came from heaven. It's the power that came in the person of Jesus himself. It came from heaven to earth. To bring heaven to earth to recreate the heavens and the earth to recreate the earth from it, from all this rubble and from the decay of its present state so it might begin to resemble the kingdom of god where people thrive in relationship with one another and with god advent invites us It invites us to look around. Not to deny the reality of the world or the church. It invites us to look around. To identify those places where we have strayed away from God. Before we get to the point where we are so far away from God that we don't know anything to do other than to cry, it calls us to stop. To look around. To see and acknowledge the reality of how things are. And then to proclaim loudly, Christ is coming again. Company is coming to visit us again in this Advent and Christmas season. Christ is coming to awaken us, to form us, and to shape us. Advent is a challenge for us as we look around and we see the reality. It's also a challenge for us to listen. To listen. Not just to the distracting voices that are out there, but to listen. Because if we pay attention, we will hear the chorus of God's heavenly voices Singing, I am right here with you. Advent is an invitation not to just be satisfied with a God who is out there somewhere, or a God who has surrounded us, but it is an invitation for us to live in God and God to live in us. It is an invitation for us to live in Christ and for Christ to live in us. It is an invitation... For us to stop thinking that we have arrived and there's nothing new for us to learn. It is an invitation for us to allow God to form us and shape us and continue to transform us. It is an invitation for us not just to hold on to the hope of God in this world. But it is an invitation for us to be that hope for our neighbors and for the world. It is an invitation not just to practice empty rituals, but it is an invitation to once again connect to the power of God and to allow that power to work within us, shaping and forming us so that indeed we might turn to God and we, might begin to participate in bringing the kingdom here on our earth as it is in heaven. This Advent, you are invited. You are invited to look around, see the reality, but don't get lost in the reality. Also, look for God and know that He is present and tap into the power of God, which can and will change the mess that is around us and the mess that is within us, so that we might thrive as the people of God once again. Amen. I invite the choir to come forward as they prepare to sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. As they do, I invite, I invite all of us to hear God speak this day. I invite us to take this time to face the realities of life, to cry out to God, and then to commit to respond to however God leads us, to commit to allowing God to continue to shape us and to form us, to commit to tapping into the power of God each and every day so that we might share His love and His grace. Always and forever.